Pulp MX Network production. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I wanna say. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Fly Racing, Blends All Racing Motor Oil, Works Connection, Plum Creek Funding, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, and Pro Glow. Welcome to another episode of the Industry Seating Podcast. My name is Jason Thomas. I will be your host today and every week as we, uh, we talk about kind of what went on this weekend. Uh, cover the Hangtown National, couple notes on uh, MXGP, and uh, yeah, as we start to roll towards Thunder Valley for round three. Pretty interesting weekend. Um, I thought the racing was actually really great. All weekend, you know, you don't always get that. You know, I don't. The 250 class at the opening round was pretty boring. You know, Jet Lawrence was amazing. He he deserves a ton of credit for his performance, but I don't think anybody could say it was a very exciting race throughout the day. You know, maybe the last lap pass by Hunter on uh, Shimoda, but Jet kind of rode around by himself. This weekend, with the sickness that Jet and uh, Jet was definitely feeling, and Hunter was had a touch of it as well. It was a just a completely different story. There was a lot of battling. Jet was not his normal, you know, super strong, steady self. I think he was just in survival mode, and and I was clued into that early in the uh, in the morning. His uh, his agent Lucas Myrtle told me just he was feeling sick, and they were in survival mode. And then I was getting some conflicting reports that he just had a cold and wasn't a huge deal. But I think once he got out on the racetrack in the motos, you could see that it was it was certainly more towards the. Uh, the worst side of being sick than, than some people were leading into. Before we get too much into this, uh, too far into this podcast, I want to thank the sponsors of this, Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Fast Foundry, Works Connection. I actually got to go to Works Connection on Friday before the event. Got to see Eric and the crew over there, check out their, uh, their offices and uh, yeah, some of the, the warehousing and, and actually some assembly stuff too. So that was really cool. Uh, Pro Glow Wash. Grant Stone Boots and Fly Racing. Thank you to all of them for being a part of this. But I was, as, as I was mentioning in the, the 250 class, you know, Jet gets it done, right? We, we have to, of course, mention that and, and give him a ton of credit for fighting through all sorts of adversity. But it just wasn't the typical Jet Lawrence domination that I think we're going to see more often than not. Uh, he just had to kind of fight through the day. And, you know, the first moto, he was going backwards and going backwards pretty quickly. And a few things went his way. Uh, Hunter went down. And I, I feel like he was just hanging around, right? He, he was just trying to log laps and he didn't really have a lot to fight with. He didn't put up much of a battle with his brother when he went by or anything like that, which is very uh, atypical for Jet. Now, the second moto, he you know, it, it was a little bit of a different type race. Like he was out front and 
he did get some pressure from Shimoda, but otherwise he just kind of controlled the race. And speaking with him after, he just said he had to push. He was like just everything he possibly had to uh, to stay out front. He's like, there's no way I could, you know, no way I could pull away. I was just trying to hang out at the front. And he's like, thankfully the pace didn't get pushed too much higher because I would have had to, to back off. But um, he was in a really dark place after that second moto. He was just kind of staring a hole through me on the podium. And I mean, his eyes were, you know, super hollow and you could just tell like whatever he's fighting sickness wise took a lot out of him. I mean, he was, he was throwing up a bunch after the first moto and, uh, said he wasn't even sure if he was going to be able to ride the second one, but he, he gets a win. Now, if that is going to be the case for him, he's going to be able to win on his sick days. What do these guys have to do? You know, what, what can they do if you can't beat him when he's that sick and he looks that rough? I think they're in for a world of trouble. And I've been saying that all along that they're going to have a really tough time dealing with this kid who is only getting better and stronger. And he's just proving that he, you know, we always talk about championships being won on your bad days. Well, Joe Orange just had a really bad day. He was really sick and he still went three, one for the overall. So that just kind of goes to prove that point as well. Uh, Hunter, I thought Hunter was, Arguably the fastest guy on the day, maybe Shimoda. Um, but yeah, starts and mistakes. And that's not a new occurrence for Hunter. You know, he's been dealing with this same dynamic for quite a while. If you get bad starts and you make mistakes, even one of those, combination is a no brainer, but even one of those will preclude you from winning most races. And you know, Hunter was really transparent. He knew that his starts are holding him back. I'm, I'm sure, you know, falling over in the first moto was pretty, or was the first moto? Yeah, first moto was pretty obvious that, uh, you know, it'll keep you from winning. But he's just got to clean it up a little bit. Um, you know, having said that, if you, you know, I'm, I'm kind of highlighting the negatives. The positives are he went 2-2. You know, he has gone 2-2 to start the year. And that's a great way to start the year 2022. So I think you have to find balance if you're Hunter. You, you need to be critical and honest with the things that are holding you back, which he is and he has been. But you also need to be optimistic because even through those difficulties, you've still gone 2-2. So you kind of look at, okay, what's possible from here? If I can find a way to beat my brother on my bad days, or I don't want to say bad days, but even with these holes in my game at the moment, I'm still going to, two. um, you basically have every door opened up to you moving forward. Shimoda really, really good day. Um, you know, the fall in the second moto had to be really frustrating, but if you look at a season, man, he's really outperformed in my opinion. Uh, Steve Mathis made a note, um, on our post-race review podcast yesterday that Shimoda had a really good end to the 2021 season and is now just rolling that into the 2022 motocross season. So he's kind of got a string of good results if you uh, combine the two years, but you can just see it in his riding. Like the eye test is really impressive. Like he looks great on the track. His lap times are good. He looks like he believes in himself. You know, like uh, when I watch him ride, there's a lot of confidence in his riding. And I think he wants to win. Like he's not like, Oh, I'm happy to be on the podium. I think he believes he should be winning right now. And uh, yeah, I mean, a tip over in that second moto is really the only thing that kept him from winning, in my opinion. You know, with Jet being under the weather and definitely weakened, I don't think he would have been able to hold Shimoda off. I really don't. I don't even know how hard he would have tried to. 
um, just because I, I truly think he was just trying to get through the day. Now, Shimoda made it easy on him, right? All, all Jed had to do was just keep going. But um, I, I think a win's coming for Shimoda. You know, it's going to have to be – he's going to have to be opportunistic and he's going to have to – uh, be consistently there and continue to put himself in positive situations. And then one of those times he's going to get his moment. Jet will crash. Jet will get a bad start. Some, you know, Hunter will have a mistake. Something will happen. If you keep putting, if you're riding this good and you keep putting yourself at the front, something good will happen. That's, that's what I think, you know, it, maybe it won't even be an overall, maybe it'll just be a moto win, but, uh, but I see it coming. Michael Mosman, last note on the 250 guys. I mean, the first moto is incredible, right? I mean, that's his home race, so you kind of expect him to be at a really high level. But, you know, I talked to him on the podium, of course, after the race, and I even told him, like, I, I chuckled when he said his goal was to win five races, and he wasn't happy about that after. You know, he wasn't happy about that on the podium. Like, you could see in his face, like, he was taken aback that I was doubting his goal of winning five races. And I, I'm, I'm not walking that back. I still think that's lofty goals to, to be the kindest I possibly can be. That's lofty goals, right? Winning five nationals in a season is rare error. You don't see that very often. That's like something that your defending champion, Jet Lawrence, that's the type of goal he would have, not a guy who hasn't really done any winning yet. So I'm not saying it's impossible. You saw how good Mosman was in that first moto. So clearly he has a chance to get it done. It's not like it's, it's, a guy that's been running around a 20th making that claim. I just thought, kind of thought it came out of nowhere. And I was like, wait, what? You want to win five, five races? Uh, how about just let's, let's start with one. Let's get on the podium a bunch. Like five podiums, I think, would be a realistic goal. That would be something like, okay, that's, that makes sense. You, you are taking a big step forward with consistency with five podiums. But five wins to me, you know, I just don't see it. And, and I think there's something to be said for for having realistic goals. If for me, when I was racing, I set a goal of like, I want to, I want to get three podiums, you know, next year. Well, <laughs> when your best finish ever is like sixth, saying you want to get three podiums or something is, is crazy. Like that's, that's not going to happen. You know, um, I, I, I would know that going in that that's not a realistic thing to be looking to try to do. And you're only going to set yourself up for failure in that situation, right? You have to be mindful of the goals you're setting. And if you're setting a goal that you can't possibly achieve, you're just going to be let down all the time. You're just going to be disappointed and bummed down. You're like, oh, I failed again. I failed again. That's kind of how I felt about most men is like, set your goal to get five podiums and win two motos and get an overall. Like that would be something achievable. You could really work towards it. Like you get a, you get that moto win this weekend, first moto at Hangtown. You're like, okay, that's one. Let's let's finish out the second moto. Let's get on the podium. Let's let's check that box and keep moving forward. Unfortunately, you know he DNFs the second moto and crashes, and that's also part of why I thought that five wins was crazy talk, because this is what Michael Moseman has done. Like he's been inconsistent. I'm not saying that's, you know, I'm not trying to indict him for that. I'm not condemning him. I'm just saying when you tell me your, your goal is to win five races and you look back over the results sheet and see all the inconsistency and variance, I just don't think that makes a lot of sense. So anyway, whatever. I shouldn't even be talking negatively about it because the kid rode incredibly well in that first moto. 
Sekimoto, we know, right, doesn't finish, can't do that. If you want to be in a championship hunt, you can't give away 25 points to Jet Lawrence. But I thought the uh, the first moto was uh, was super strong. You know, he goes out and he looked like he looked like the best guy on the racetrack. And I'm not convinced that he wouldn't have won the second moto. I think he was probably the best rider at Hangtown. Now, you, he maybe he didn't have the best lap time, maybe like lots of things. But I think overall, you know, if you race that, if you ran that race ten out of ten times with Jet being sick like that, I think Moseman probably wins seven of them. I, I really believe that's that's the case. So it had to be a bummer for uh, for Moseman. I'm sure you know he's going to be looking for redemption this coming weekend, and and who could blame him? Um, but yeah, just uh, just a, a tough end result after such a great start to the day. Uh, going into our 450 class, as you guys know, we do the power rankings on the uh, industry seating podcast, and um, yeah, I, I kind of eliminated. You know, I talked last weekend about how I was going to eliminate guys that weren't necessarily in the series anymore. I kind of left uh, Ferrandis in there. There was, there was a little bit of up and down. Like I just wasn't sure who was going to be racing and who not. Well, if you're not racing the outdoors by now, you're out. So that's just where I come down on it. Um, maybe that's not fair. Maybe it is. I don't, I don't necessarily care. Um, that's just where, how I'm going to do this. So having said that at number 10 is Joey Savacci. And I thought Joey did a great job. Uh, coming into the series, you know, he, um, he's been hurt and, uh, that was his first race with the Cowie team. So I think if you are Kawasaki, you have to be really excited about how the day went. And I think if you are, uh, if you're Joey Savacci, you have to be really excited about your result too. You know, he qualified, I believe sixth and he ran around, um, the top 10 all day. And I, I talked to Dan Fahey on this uh, the show we do called uh, Inside Pro Motocross, which is a really cool show. It's on Tuesdays on Mav TV. If you get a chance, check it out. But I got a chance to talk to uh, Dan Fahey, and he basically he reiterated kind of my thought as like, hey, you know, um, we don't expect a lot. We we don't expect him to win. And I, I don't want to say we don't expect a lot. I probably misspeaking there, but they don't expect him to be the race winner. They are wanting him to represent Kawasaki. They want him to, you know, if, if he can be a top five guy, that's, that's, that's great. Like they're, they're all about that. If he can be a top, a podium guy, even better. Right. But they don't have the same level of expectation that they have for like Jason Warren, or I'm sorry, excuse me, Jason Anderson that should go kind of without saying, but I, I, I think people get so wrapped up in, Oh, he's not doing that great, whatever. But you have to understand what they are asking of him, right? He's not getting paid anything like what Jason Anderson is. They are not, they're looking for a championship out of Jason Anderson, like period. Like that's, I I don't uh, have any qualms in saying that. They're not looking for a championship out of Joey Savacci. I mean, they didn't even, they didn't even let him ride the first round. Like that should be a pretty big tell as to where they are with expectations out of, Uh, Joey is when you don't even let somebody ride the first round, clearly you don't think that he's ready to go win yet. Um, So nothing but positive things to say uh, by the Cowie guys as far as Savachi goes. And I I actually thought it was a a pretty strong performance too. He was consistent. Um, That's what he needed. And he needed a day to build a foundation off of that he could kind of propel himself forward. And 
it's really hard to get better if you can't you know build momentum that's what you need you need momentum and momentum starts with one race you know you get one race you get both motos in you get stronger you get more confidence and then you know you get that good start again and you find a way to stay up there and that's how that's how it works it's just building blocks so um, i thought joey did a very good job of you know keeping his head not getting frustrated if you get shuffled back a little bit and realize the bigger picture that two, three, four, five weeks from now, maybe he's at a hundred percent and the situation changes, then you can really push. And then your expectation of how you're going to do that day significantly goes up as well. So good job all around for Joey. Number nine, AP seven is Aaron Plessinger, a uh, decent day and not so much different than how I view Joey Savacci's situation, right? He's coming off an injury and you're just trying to stack building blocks so you can get better and better and better. And each week, you just want to see improvement. That's it. You don't, you know, I, if you ask Roger DeCoster, yeah, I'm sure he wants him on the podium. Like Roger is a no nonsense, no excuses guy. He just, that's who he is. I mean, he's a million time world champion. That's, he only, he only really recognizes excellence. That's just who Roger is as a person. But if you are looking at AP fairly, coming off an injury, he's in the top 10, he's getting better, that's what you want. That's, that's all you can really ask for if you're being realistic and objective to it and your job's not tied to it, right? Roger has to go answer to Austria every Monday. He has to, you know, I'm sure they have an uh, all-hands call. All, I'm sure all their racing guys, that's pretty typical. And I'm sure he, he's not thrilled to call in and say, yeah, we got 6th, 7th, 8th or whatever. Um, but that's, he's going to get better. He, I, I truly believe he will get better if they're patient with him and let him kind of build his fitness, build his confidence, build his speed up. Uh, he'll come around. And we're, we're also going to go to tracks that he is, he's better at. You know, he's going to feel more comfortable as we get to high point and these, these stickier, ruddier tracks get to the Midwest. You know, he's from Ohio. Like he's going to be better as we move east. To get, stay in the top 10 out west, coming off an injury, I think is totally fine. Number eight, I have Tony Cairoli, and he committed to doing two more races yesterday, so that's very exciting. Um, I am a big Tony Cairoli fan, as you may or may not know. Got to speak with him a bunch on Friday. He was on our uh, inside, I know, what is that show called? Staging Area. <laughs> I have a column called Staging Area, and they ripped it off. They ripped off my name. But anyway, Staging Area is a show we do at the Monster Truck. They have this big platform and stage uh, every Friday. And uh, yeah, we got to spend about 20 minutes talking with Tony and he gave us all sorts of insight about the bike and um, you know, how he had been kind of struggling with fitness. And I thought it was insightful, the story he told. So for, for myself, it was, it was kind of uh, the answers I was looking for because I thought he would be more fit and more prepared coming into this. I, I really didn't expect him to come in saying that, yeah, I'm not very fit and, and I don't like the bike and blah, blah, blah. That's not, that's not what I expected. Um, so he told us that January, February, he was training hard. Like he really didn't take a lot of time off and he got back into it because he was planning on coming to America. Then sometime in February, KTM came to him and said, hey, that, that plan's off. Jeffrey's going to go race in America. So we can't support you to do this deal. So he was super bummed out at that as you, you know, I can imagine he would be. And he had to kind of just take time off. Like he was like hanging out at the beach, hanging out with his kid. You know, he went, as he said, went back to retired life. And, um, 
so flash forward a month, we know the trials and tribulations that Jeffrey Hurlings went through with his foot. He was in, he was out. He didn't know where he was racing. He's going to America, racing GPs. It was all over the place. Um, and then he decided, okay, I'm out again. And this, we didn't even know any of this stuff. Tony was being really transparent, telling us these things behind the scenes. So Jeffrey tells KTM, I'm out. So KTM obviously calls Tony and says, hey, you're back in. Well, this is a month later, maybe even over a month later. It's like end of March, he said. He's like, well, great. Thank you very much. But I just sat around for a month. I, w- I haven't been doing anything. I've been, a re- I've been a retired guy. I've been, you know, he was testing some, but it like, for those of you who haven't been around that dynamic, testing, you just do like a lap at a time. Like it's a really, it, it's not conducive for really racing, right? And that's what Chris Kiefer, I think, dealt with at Nationals is if, you, if you're just doing parts testing, you do a lap, come in, good, bad, go back out a lap, you know, maybe two laps, three laps. It's not uh, pro motocross level riding. It's not great for training. So he's like, I'm not ready anymore, you know? So they're like, well, this is your opportunity, do it or don't. So of course he took it and had to jump right in with both feet. And uh, yeah, he's just like, I, you know, had I not had that time off, I would be much better than now. You know, I, I would have been more fit. I could work around some of the bike's inefficiencies. But yeah, that was, a, so that was, I thought it was awesome that he was willing to tell us that stuff because most people would never, never tell you that, right? They would just kind of make some cliched excuse and, and move on. So I thought it was cool. Uh, number seven, Ryan Dungey, really quiet day. I think better days are ahead for Dungey. Uh, similar to Plessinger, I think as we move east, as the conditions get tougher, the temperatures go up, the tracks get not so California-ish, for lack of a better word. I, th- I still think Dungey's going to be better. So we'll see if I'm right or wrong there. But I think uh, better days lie ahead for Ryan. Number six, I have Barsha, and he has not been great. You know, this sixth place is really leaning on his Supercross results plus what I think he's going to come back around to as we go east. Um, I wasn't impressed at all at Hangtown, to be honest. The second moto, he got 11th, and he couldn't shake Alex Martin at all. Um, he, the, the rest of the field had gapped him pretty bad. I think he may have fallen over at some point, <clears throat> excuse me, but it wasn't an impressive day from Barsha on any, by any metric, right? Pick any measurement you want. It wasn't a good day. Bad starts, speed wasn't good. Um, it just wasn't, it wasn't the Justin Barsha that we've come to know. So hopefully he can, uh, can bounce back and find, find his old form. Um, at number five, I have Christian Craig and I think this is a pretty deserving spot. You know, I don't feel bad about putting him here. Um, I think he can be better than this. But if you look at the guys ahead of him and you look at kind of the the body of work between Supercross, between um, this weekend as well, I think the other four still deserve to be ahead of him. I, I, don't, I don't even feel like it's that challenging of an argument to make. Um, but I, I don't want it to feel like fifth place is, is a knock on Craig. Like that's a really respectable place to be. So Christian Craig, solid day. We're, we're leaving California now. So he's got to maintain that elite level that he's been on. I think he can. I think he looks the part in the 450. I really do. Uh, when I watch him ride, he just looks like a normal 450 top five guy. That's what I'm seeing. Like he can move forward. He can pass guys like Ryan Dungey. He doesn't seem to be intimidated whatsoever. He looks really confident. Um, so that's just kind of where I have him. I have him as a legitimate top five outdoor motocross guy. Now that doesn't mean 
if Cinturillo and Sex, or excuse me, uh, Ferrandis and some of these guys were back in the race, that doesn't mean that he would beat them. But I think it's fair. You can only race who's in the race. And right now, he is a top five guy. Number four, Ken Roxon. And, you know, Kenny's day was, I think, a smart one, right? I think he approached it correctly in the fact that he didn't, and he said as much on the podium, he's not going to blow himself up to try to win. Now, if the wins are there and he can get them, great. He's going to go for it. But if they're not, he's going to ride smartly and get points and just stack up results and see kind of where it plays out. I don't think it's smart for him. And we all know the challenges he's faced with his body. I don't think it's smart for him to push, you know, over the limit, right? Because if he blows himself up, he may not recover, right? He doesn't have the same level of recovery. Like his body is just not as strong as it once was. He's not the same guy that he was maybe 20, let's say 2017 is, was, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017 are pretty obvious times where he was the man, like he was so damn good. And he was the strongest guy and the fittest guy and the fastest guy, all those things. Um, but I don't think you can necessarily judge like his approach in racing the same way. Now he, he has to be smarter. He has to make wise decisions. He has to be really mindful mid race of how things are going. And if things aren't going well, he's got to maybe back it down at times where other guys like Sexton, Sexton can just push himself into oblivion. And guess what? He's like 22 or 23 years old. He's going to recover by Sunday morning and feel like he didn't even race. That's just, that's the difference in the trauma that Kenny's put his body through and Chase hasn't. Um, so I like the transparency by, by Kenny basically telling us that. But then you also saw in that Sekimoto, you saw him go for broke, right? He got the whole shot. He was feeling good, and he absolutely sent it in that, uh, that second moto at the beginning. I think he was trying to check out and see if he could run away with the thing. Couldn't get away. Just wasn't quite quick enough to put a gap onto, uh, onto Sexton. Like Sexton kind of closed it in. And then I think once Kenny saw Sexton find the pace, he reeled it back down a little bit, right? Because I've been in that spot, and I can – put myself mentally there is like, okay, I'm, I'm building a lead. I'm going for it. Like everything I've got. But as soon as you see that not work, you can't just blow yourself up. Like you gotta, you have to lower that effort level a little bit because if that's not working, you still got, I don't know, 28 minutes or more left in the race that you've got to sort out. So you can't just push your heart rate over the limit and get, you know, to where you'd have to really slow down and, and recover. And then you, you know, you're a couple seconds off the pace per lap. So I think Kenny did a good job. I'm sure he wanted to be better in that second moto. I'm sure he wanted to be on the podium uh, in the second moto, but it's a long season and, and he knows better than we do the struggles he's faced. Like he's, he's not oblivious to the fact that it's been really challenging to uh, put a whole season together. So I think if he goes about this the right way, maybe he'll be a little bit stronger later. And I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work or not. Maybe there'll be too many races where he's just too slow and he gives up a ton of points and the, and the result's the same. He still loses the championship and he's out of it with a round to go. Maybe that could be the case. 
Um, but I think he's tr just trying to do the best job he can, he can in managing his strength over 24 motos. Number three, Chase Sexton. I mean, he's, he's great, right? He, he's arguably the fastest guy in this class right now. And if you go over the first two rounds, you'd have to say he probably is. Now, I'm factoring in Supercross. I'm factoring in the fact that Jason Anderson just won his first race overall this weekend, so I'm keeping him ahead of him. Um, but I have nothing but praise to give Sexton. He has looked phenomenal at two rounds so far. Now, can he maintain this? You know, the, the first round is his arguably best track. I don't even say arguably. It's his best track, right? So he's had two races where he's been great. Um, let's just wait and see if he can sustain this. I think he can. I'm going to go out and say I think he can. I think he's a podium guy all summer long, but he's going to have to prove it. So we'll just see how this all plays out. But I love what I've seen so far from, uh, from Sexton. Uh, Jason Anderson, number two. These are, I think, pretty obvious. They make sense. Um, I was very excited for Anderson. I know how hard he's been working on and off the track. He's never won an outdoor before. And you could see, well, I, I'm hoping that it translated on, on television, but when he came off the track and he was walking up to the podium, like there was genuine joy on his face. Like he was so happy that he had won an outdoor motocross race. And, and he had been racing outdoors, he said, for 12 years finally gets an overall win and, and you're beating guys like Roxon and Tomac and these guys, you know, it wasn't a 250 win. It wasn't a depleted field at the last round or anything like that. It was the second round. Everybody's sending it. And Tomac had his best moto of the year in the second moto. So, um, incredible job from Anderson. He deserves to, uh, feel very good about himself and he should, I don't know if breathing a sigh of relief because I don't think there was this big narrative about he's never won one. I don't, I never really thought about it that way. But I'm sure it's just one of those boxes when you're done and your career's over and you're looking back over your legacy, it's just a box you're going to want to have checked is getting that outdoor motocross win. Now, the next one's going to be a title. I don't know if he can get it done. Maybe. He looks damn good. I'm not saying he can't. But winning an outdoor national is absolutely a box that I'm sure he wanted to check before you know this, his career's over. Number one, of course, uh, Eli Tomac. This... He, He's your Supercross champion. He won the second moto this weekend. I think he deserves to still be at the top. Now, the question is, is this the start of something? Or was this just continuation of how great he has been at Hangtown over the course of his entire career? I don't know. We'll see. Um, we're going to Colorado, which he's, you know, should be good there too. I did talk to his suspension technician, Gilly. Uh, several times on Saturday, and he was saying they made a lot of changes. They went to an air fork, and that seemed to fix a lot of the problems they were having. So maybe that's kind of the secret sauce uh, was, the, was the switch to the air fork. We'll see. Um, but I liked what I saw from Tomac in that second moto. And when he came up on the podium, he was pumped. So it really looked like they had figured something out there. That was kind of what I took away from it. It's like, man, they some sort of breakthrough there because you could see it in his face. Like he was amped. And maybe just because he hadn't won in a while. You, he hadn't won. He didn't win any of the Supercross races down the stretch. And then he didn't really do much at the first round. He didn't even get a podium in a moto. He hasn't qualified that well. So maybe he was just relieved that, like, hey, I can still do this. I can win on the Yamaha and motocross too, right? It's, which would be crazy for him to be doubting that. Um, but, yeah, these guys are uh, – I don't want to say they're fragile, but confidence is easily shaken in this sport. 
as much confidence as I, as I have in Tomac, sometimes, man, these guys, if things don't go well, they start doubting themselves and they start asking questions that shouldn't be asked. They, they, no one should be doubting Eli Tomac's prowess outdoors. So uh, I, w- I was actually surprised at how excited he was, um, but maybe I shouldn't have been. Maybe that was uh, just, you know, what's to be expected. A new bike, never won on it outdoors, and it had been a struggle up to that point. Maybe the knee, too. Maybe he was thrilled that the knee let him ride his best in that second moto, and he didn't suffer ill effects late or anything like that from knee pain. So could be a, 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 any combination of those things. But that's your uh, top 10 power rankings for this week. Obviously, they're always subject to change, um, but you know, they're moving forward from here. If you're not in the motocross series, you're you're just out. Uh, I don't feel bad about it. I'm not apologizing for it. Just uh, how I feel it should be. So Thunder Valley is up next. Uh, I don't believe there's a huge advantage for anybody at that particular track. Um, you know, Tomac would be the guy that I think everybody would point to and say that he should have an advantage, but I don't really think that's the case. Um, I just think it's another racetrack for him. I don't, I've watched him race there a ton. He's gone fast there. He's also not looked great. Last year, he wasn't very good there. Uh, I don't even, I think he barely got in the top 10 there last year. So it's not just some track that he's, no matter what, you can't deal with Tomac there. I think Hangtown is more of that than Colorado would be. And you got to remember, he lives like six hours from Lakewood. So it's not like he just lives around the corner and rides there all the time. It's just geographically close. It's not like that much of a home track. So it is going to be 90 degrees on Saturday, something to keep in mind. So if you have fantasy picks, things like that, it's going to be hot. It's going to be the toughest test of the year so far for these guys. And uh, yeah, fitness will be an issue, right? They're at elevation. It's going to be hot. You're going to see a lot of bike problems because bikes will be overheating. They'll be boiling gas. There'll be a lot of things going on. So there's going to be a lot of variables that you're going to have to account for at this race that you haven't so far. So just something to keep in mind. Uh, I do want to thank again the sponsors. Thank you to Pirelli Tires. Thank you to Guts Racing. Thank you to Plum Creek Funding. Uh, if you haven't refinanced your house, you probably want to do that. I don't see rates coming down anytime soon. Now, it is true you probably missed a really good opportunity over the last two years, but I still think we are going higher from here. So it's still your best bet is to do it now. Even if you got a 5%, historically, that's still really low. You know, it's not 2% like you could have gotten a year or two ago. But, uh, but 5% over, you know, if you look big picture, is still uh, a decent rate. Fast Foundry, reach out to Robert Carrico. See how he can help your large or small business. Um, if we are truly heading towards a recession, you're going to need that more than ever. And, uh, yeah, maybe he'll just have some ideas for how you can uh, get a little bit more efficient and, yeah, improve your margins or, or whatever you're looking to do. Works Connection, uh, promo code is JT21, pro launch start device in action, Justin Cooper hole shotting like nobody's business as usual with that pro launch start device, Chase Sexton, Ken Roxon, they both use it, shockingly, look how good their starts are. Uh, none of this should come as a surprise to you. I talk about it every week, how good that pro launch start device is, and the proof is right there. They hole shot every damn time with that thing. Grantstone Boots. Check them out. Go to grantstoneshoes.com and go to at grantstone on Instagram and see what, uh, see what they have to offer. They have belts, wallets, boots, loafers, um, it, all kinds of stuff. They have uh, just a great selection there. Um, I have way too many pairs. Uh, they're so good to me, um, but I'm also prepared for anything. You tell me what event I got to go to and what color I need to wear, and I probably have something. I probably have different types of animal weather on there. I have ostrich ones. I have all kinds of stuff. It's... Uh, 
I'm very, very fortunate that way. So thank you to Grant Stone Boots for, uh, for supporting me all these years. ProGlow Wash, uh, we did the question of the week last week, and we'll do it again next week. Um, just a, such a great power sports wash. I've seen some, some videos that some customers and fans have made, and, and it's like the, you know, the before and after, and it's, it's so powerful. You know, a, a wash that is truly formulated to get rid of the dirt and grime that we face, right? Oil-based stuff, just nasty black or even that bright orange clay and stuff that people that are developing like Simple Green to sell to Walmart, that, they're not thinking, that's not what they're thinking about. They're thinking about all these other uses, people washing their boat or whatever, right? This stuff is built for power sports. They're a power sports you know, enthusiast company. Ryan races cars. He goes to supercross races and motocross races all year. Um, and that's, that's truly what this product was, uh, was built for. Also want to thank Fly Racing, of course. I am at the office right now recording this. And uh, yeah, I am very, very blessed to be a part of the, uh, the Fly Racing family. So I just wanted to mention a couple things on uh, MXGP before we go. I will actually be heading over to Germany on Wednesday. So I'll arrive there Thursday. For those of you who have traveled to Europe, you know it's kind of an overnight trip. Looking forward to that. You know, I've, I've spent a ton of time in Germany. Um, it's easily the highest amount of time I've accumulated in Europe. I've raced, I don't know, 100 races in, in Germany alone, maybe more. And uh, yeah, I feel comfortable there. I have a lot of friends there that I only get to see when I go to Germany. So I'm, I'm genuinely looking forward to that. I, I fly into Berlin and uh, go check out Checkpoint Charlie and all the sites and the history stuff um, on Friday morning. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I just have a little bit of downtime before I need to be at the racetrack. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a special, going to Germany is always a special trip for me. Um, I don't think for the average person, it's anything that crazy, right? Compared to the rest of Western Europe. But for me, it holds a special place in my heart because I've spent so much of my life there. My racing career was spent uh, in Germany alone. So I, I'm, I'm excited to go back, even though I'm not excited about getting on an airplane. Um, yeah, can't, can't really get there any, any uh, other way. So just suck it up and deal with it. Uh, you know, obviously there was a ton of drama this weekend in France with MXGP. A bunch of guys protested the Saturday race. You know, they were, said it was really dark. They couldn't see the jump faces. Uh, it was super muddy. They didn't fix the start for, you know, like grade the start. It had ruts all in the start uh, from the track coming back on. And it was just like, what are we doing here? You know, and, and I, I can empathize with them. I get it. You know, there have been issues in the past. I, I faced kind of the same thing. Like the shadows at Glen Helen, sometimes you can't see anything and that's not fun. Um, so those guys took a stand, right or wrong. I don't, I, I don't really have a take on it. Um, I'm kind of neutral and, and I know the MXGP, you know, officials really well. And, and I will be doing the broadcast this weekend. So I understand their side is they have a race to run and they have people that are expecting to see a, uh, you know, a qualifying race on Saturday. They pay for MXGP TV. They people that all the people that came to the race on Saturday that were, you know, actually attended the event, they're expecting to see a race. So they're trying to hold up their end of the bargain for all these people while the riders are going, hey, this isn't safe. Like, we don't feel safe about where we have to actually go out and race right now. So it was a really hard line there, and it got really heated, and some really nasty things were said to each other, which isn't awesome by any, any measure. Um, they're going to have a meeting this Friday at the track. I'm going to try to get there for that. I don't know if I'll be allowed in or not. Probably not. Um, 
but I hope that they can find some common ground because they're all trying to do the same thing. They're all trying to have a great series and, and put on a great show and, and have really entertaining races. So I hope that cooler heads prevail and they all come to agreements and find common ground when they leave there on Friday. And, and I believe they will. I, I truly think that they will in the end. Um, kind of everybody will see each other's side and each other's perspective, um, which they should, right? These are really smart people with the same passions uh, and everybody's working towards the same things. We all have the same goals and no one's trying to do their own thing or, you know, it, all, all that should make sense. It's just, it's hard when you have different priorities. Like the, the riders are only caring about their safety and MXGP is caring about safety as well, but they also have a show to put on and a race to run and they need riders, need riders to do that. So uh, anyway, enough about that. Uh, I thought it was awesome. Jeremy Sewer wins. That was really cool. I'm a big Jeremy Sewer fan. Um, to me, he was never a really talented guy. He, he's had to work for everything he's ever gotten in this sport. And uh, I'm just, yeah, in the end, I'm just a fan of his. And I'm a fan of his personality. Um, he's very outspoken. He's very smart. I, I kind of view him as a very intellectual type rider. And uh, so, yeah, so I was cheering for him to, uh, to get that first win. And he did. Uh, Tim Geiser, loose, man. This, is, this shouldn't be news to anybody, but that guy is loose. He takes a lot of chances when he's riding and he has big crashes and he has lots of near crashes. Um, he, I, he's going to be your champion in my opinion for the season. I think that's, I don't think that's really stepping out to say that, uh, I guess Prado or somebody could, you know, Renault, somebody could make it interesting at some point, but they're going to need a ton of help. Guys who would have to, in my opinion, injure himself to, uh, to make it interesting. Um, but yeah, guys just didn't have a great weekend, right? It was just one of those one of those weekends where things went wrong and he crashed and went off the track and onto another part of the track. And it was just like anything that kind of could go wrong was going wrong uh, for Geiser. But I, I think he'll bounce back. I think he'll win Germany this weekend. That would be, uh, that would be my opinion. And uh, he'll probably win a whole lot more as we move forward. Uh, you know, the rest of the guys, you know, Prado was pretty good. He, he even mentioned himself on uh, the MX Vice podcast that he needs more fitness. He needs to be better in the last 10 minutes. Um, I think his quote was something like, I'm good for 25 minutes, but you know, I need to be good for 35. So we'll see. I'm sure he's working on that. That takes time to get those last few minutes uh, of you know, full pace. And, and when they're going flat out battling for the lead the last few minutes, it's really apparent who's fit and who's not. And uh, yeah, he didn't try to hide anything. He just kind of came right out with it and said, I, I don't, I'm not there yet. I don't, I don't have it quite yet. Um, but everything else I thought was, you know, to be expected, right? Vial wins the, uh, the 250 class in France, which you would expect him to do. And that's really the storyline of this series is the DMX2 battle is really good. Points are tight. Geertz and Vial are very close in speed and pace and consistency. Like they're both able to overcome adversity. Um, I still think Vial wins his title because I'm always thinking if you continue to put yourself in good position, things have a way of working out. That's just typically how it goes. And Geertz has, still has a tendency to crash. He, uh, where did he crash at? Where were they? Italy. Um, you know, he, he just makes too many mistakes in my opinion. You can't, you can't do that. You can't give points away. You can't crash yourself out of races. You can't do dumb stuff like that. Um, so I just like Vial because his mistakes are minimal, even though Geertz may be faster at times, Vial makes less mistakes 
And uh, when, if, if all things are considered, if you give me the best starter that makes less mistakes, I'm probably going to take that every single time. That's, you know, it seems obvious, but I, I think it's, it's just logical. It's just logical. Good starts and don't screw up. It's generally going to do, uh, do pretty well. So that's, that's it. A really brief MXGP overview. I will have a better one because I'll be there next weekend. Um, I'll, of course, cover Thunder Valley. I'll be watching that on TV from Germany. But I will be on site in Germany next week and uh, can obviously give you guys much more insight and all the scuttlebutt from the meeting between the riders and MXGP and all that good stuff. Um, and then, yeah, the, uh, the views of Thunder Valley from, from my hotel room on Saturday night. It'll be super late. Excuse me. Um, think about the first moto will start at, I got to think about it for a second, nine o'clock Germany time, PM for me. So I'm going to be up till, I don't know, one or two in the morning watching. It's ridiculous, but it's part of it. I want to watch it. And uh, yeah, I'll just, I guess I'll just have to make a big or a bunch of coffees and stay up. So thanks everybody for listening. Thank you to the sponsors. Um, I, I know this one, uh, yeah, I don't know if it dragged on, I guess a little bit longer, 45 minutes, but, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next week from Germany. See ya.